0: It's something that has been reported by humans and recorded history for thousands of years. It goes back to the ancient Egyptians talking about the Ka leaving the body and journeying around the astral, and then coming back and people having stories talking about it. There's even pictures of this little spirit with wings connected to a body by a, a little wire, you know, a little, a little cord. So, and, and in many native cultures around the world, there has been dream walkers who've explored, who've also been able to find where, where buffalo herds were, and that's how they helped the tribe. So uh, it's nothing that, that I invented. Uh, I mean, the modern father, you probably are aware of, Robert Monroe, uh, the Monroe Institute. Uh, he uh his his groundbreaking book of journeys out of the body is is the first modern work i think that really captured people's imagination and really helped to introduce the topic of of astral projection i like astral projection because it's it has an old occult feel to it and i i, I like the romance of that many people refer to it as out of the body experience out of the body phenomena so you can call it whatever you mm-hmm. like I think
1: but, there's, to me, there is a slight difference between the astral projection experience and the out-of-body experience because to me, I mean, it's just, a, it's a case of definitions really, but I see out-of-body experiences as the, just that, the experience of being out of the body, whereas I see astral projection more as, as a, kind of a process and a journey while you're out of that body. So I, I think astral projection begins with an out-of-body experience, but then is the process of investigating sure. the, the environment. Yeah, the
0: exactly. I mean, the out-of-the-body experience strictly means you departed from your physical body, for some period of time. And usually those people who report those types of experiences are in the lower astral, the very lowest sphere close to the physical, where uh, everything around you is very similar to the physical. Not exact, but very similar. It's like shadows that are cast on a sunny day onto a pavement, that shadow looks somewhat like the actual physical object, but it's a little distorted. Um, the ast- When you talk about astral projection, which you're doing here now is actively exploring the various planes of existence, all the planes of the astral, uh, time travel, uh. Uh, space travel, you name it. So, uh, I mean, yeah, you could certainly look at it that way. Uh, OBE, you know, maybe the OBE is just the 101 experience and then the extra astral projection you're getting to advanced... Yeah.
1: I think it's difficult to kind of call after projection out of body experience reasonably because we could also call out body experience, you know, um, we, we know that we can stimulate a certain part of the brain and create the illusion that we're out of body and that someone classed that as an out of body experience, um, which well, is one definition you could say that.
0: There is a scientist that, that published those findings, and I can't think of his name right now, maybe you know. Him. But other scientists could not replicate his experiments. They couldn't replicate the results. So it's really in a lot of disrepute right now Uh, because I've had those questions before and I've done some research on that because when I first found out about it, I said, well, this is interesting. It didn't really change my mind because after you've had thousands of experiences, it's kind of hard to convince me that it's all some weird misfiring in my brain. but uh, yeah, his experience—I mean, his studies—they haven't been able to be replicated. And as you know, in science, other scientists have to be able to replicate your your tests and your in your results. And if that can't be done, then there's some problems. It's there. not so necessarily
1: a phenomenon, yeah. So I mean, maybe we could we should separate kind of the, the the cases and say you know astral projection is the active exploration of these other um, supposed realms of consciousness. Yeah, body experience is kind of the just the the state of being out of the body and perhaps you know things like that with the studies could be classes out of body sensations or out of body perceptions, not perception but out of body sensations something like that so we're categorizing three
0: different types of experience well um you know you're 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 dealing with similar experiences perhaps one's more advanced than the other there's a whole spectrum here you mentioned ndes a little while ago um, I mean, that's on that whole same kind of spectrum uh, of experiences that are taking place in an altered state um, that that appears to be outside of the physical experiences, outside of the typical five senses that we have in our physical body. So they're all on that spectrum, uh, and you can define them you know, as you yeah, like. Yeah, it's,
1: it. it's just a case of definitions at the end of the day. It's the meaning that's important behind them. Um, exactly. So you mentioned about... Um, the scientific study not being replicated so one thing that is often mentioned is that no actual projection experience has ever been apparently verified and mm-hmm. and therefore you know haven't been replicated so why should we accept kind of the actual projection takes place whereas we don't accept based on non-replication that these experiments take place
0: sure well I think the problem is that all of our science is based on our knowledge of the physical plane. And I think people misunderstand what happens in the astral projection process. You aren't merely leaving your body and exploring the physical world. You explore the physical world with your five senses. That's how you explore the physical world. The astral body functions on the astral plane. Uh, And when you're very close to the Um, lower astral and the physical when they're very close together there's a lot of crossover but you're not in the physical plane Uh, and your ability to affect the physical plane is virtually nil why because your astral body is not designed it was not designed to operate in the physical that's why we have physical bodies to operate in the physical i suppose the same Um, way the physical body is
1: designed to interact with the astral
0: right right Right, exactly. I mean, that's why when they're, I, mean, I mean, you might be aware of the experimentation that was done by our, our military um, in the 70s and the 80s with remote viewing. And, and they, they had some successes with that, um, with intelligence gathering. See, remote viewing though, is what that's different from astral projection. You are still very much aware of being in your body. And I'm not an expert in remote viewing. It's not something I pursued, but I'm aware of it. You're very much in your body, you're very much conscious, you're sitting in a chair, and what you're doing is you are projecting a portion of your consciousness to another place on the physical plane, observing what is happening there on the physical plane, and then returning. That is something that might be used for intelligence gathering purposes. You might be able to replicate on the physical, and there's been various experiments, but the astral projection is not that it's not going to uh, be easy to prove because it takes place on a different plane. Perhaps one day we will be able to develop some sort of apparatus or machinery or whatever that allows physical people to peer into this, this realm. But we don't have that yet. Um, and uh, I mean, there's been, there's some people out there, ghost hunters and stuff, and 90%, 99% of that stuff is, is just crazy stuff. Um, But in my experience, there is a certain electromagnetism that is involved with astral bodies. Um, So somewhere along the line, there might be some way to at least detect people astral projecting, uh, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if there wasn't some government agency somewhere that was doing some sort of research on this. But as I said before, if you're talking about basically proving it in the physical, you'd be better off with remote viewing, because at least you're coming back with physical knowledge. Yes. With the astral, you're coming back with, with knowledge from the astral plane. I mean, Let me give you an example. Um, it, it also is hard to see in the physical. It's easy to be stuck in time. You and I are stuck in this time period. It's now after one for me, it's after five for you. Real easy for us. Although sometimes you're driving, you go in a different state. And you're like, where did that hour go? But when you're in the astral, it's very time can become unstuck very easily because it's not controlled in the same way that it is here in the physical. I'll leave my body in the middle of July down here in the south of the United States. And there's snow outside in the very lower astral. Um, There was an experiment, and I believe me, when I was younger, I did these types of experiments um, with my brother usually. And and he came up with the idea, I tell you, he said, I'll put something on my table and then you project and then tell me what's on the table. So I did that, I came back and I told him, you had a Russian samovar on your table. First of all, he didn't even know what that was. I mean, of course, it's a Russian tea making machine. But he was like, I don't even know what that is. He had some book or something uh, on there. A year later, I went there and I was visiting him in his house, and we went downstairs, and there was that Russian samovar sitting on that table. I said, Where did you get that? What's that? He goes, Oh, yeah, I was I was at this garage sale, and this guy, his wife had died, he was getting rid of stuff. you know, we knew each other. So I said, here, you can have this. Maybe your wife will like it. She didn't like it. So it was sitting down in the basement on this table. So here it was. This thing had popped up in the astral uh, a year before it had actually been there. And I had seen it.
1: And that was the, the same table. And was the, was the description of the samovar exactly the same as you'd seen it? Yes, Exactly. I mean,
0: I'm not an expert in samovars. I've only ever really seen one in the physical, and that was the one. Um, and it was interesting because, like I said, he didn't even know what a samovar oh, was. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, I mean, and, and when I was younger too, I also did a lottery experiment because that's one of the questions people ask. Yeah, yeah. Why don't you just be a billionaire? Well, and uh, usually it's something like, well, why don't you go leave your body and then go look at a newspaper? First of all, I don't know about you, but when's the last time you read a newspaper? Oh, is, mean, <laughs> so they're not exactly laying around, but also in the in astral body, um, your sight is is great. You can see colors that you can see as far as you want to see, um, you know, and there's all sorts of other elements Um, to to the different types of astral senses, but reading is very tough. It's like being dyslexic um, because the astral vision wasn't designed with a reading in mind. I mean, reading conveys information in the physical, but it's a very primitive way of of conveying knowledge. In the astral, you get knowledge and using telepathy. And that telepathy is rich. It's not just words you're getting, you're getting emotions, you're getting feelings, you're getting the feel, what that experience was actually like and how they lived it. Right. Even some of the philosophy that they explored during that process. Yeah. So you're getting direct knowledge and context with it. Well. Right, right. Yeah. So so the whole idea of reading is it was a very difficult. What I did, and this took me six months. Uh, because of the difficulty of trying to get the time right and, and, and everything else. And, and I had to stay in the absolute lowest level of the astral, which, which can be hard because it's very uncomfortable. Uh, I, I didn't do any astral projections that were interesting for six months. And finally, I was able to come back with, with I ended up with a four digit number because I figured that'd be easier than trying to remember, you know, all these double digit numbers. Uh, and I played it once and I won, I got a few thousand dollars out of it. I mean, and that was nice. And I had the ticket for a while. We moved, I don't know where it happened to it, but, um, I mean, that was one particular example, but was it worth it to me? Not really. I mean, I spent six months to win a couple thousand dollars and, and I had lost a lot of experiences that I could have had. Um, but perhaps you'd like to be, you'd be interested in, in, in how I started. Sure. Yeah. I was yeah. Going, that was
1: the next question I was going to ask you. When did you start doing this? How, and how long really have you been doing it for?
0: Since I was a baby. Uh, I have my earliest recollection. Now, I don't, have, I'm not, I don't have super memory. I have this one memory, and I think it's because of the astral projection involved of, in being a baby. Um, and I was in a bassinet in an apartment. Um, uh, outside with my mother, she was sunning herself uh, and I was more than a couple months old and a spider was coming down. It frightened me, but I couldn't move. I was just a little baby. So instinctively I shot up in the sky to get away from this thing. And I remember looking down, seeing uh, myself, seeing my mother, I wasn't afraid at all. It's interesting, I have this memory, but there's no verbal to it. Um, there's no no, feelings, language. There's no logic, it's yeah. just, it was a matter of fact thing. Um, and then I, then I went and went inside my, uh, my apartment and it was interesting because I was looking, I was at the ceiling looking down. And as a baby, you don't get that kind of a view. So uh, we moved when I was a year old and I was able to describe that apartment uh, inside and outside, though I'd never seen either uh, when I got older, uh, which amazed them because, well, wow, how, how did you remember that from when, because we moved when you were one. Um, and, but I, I still have that exact memory, of everything from that particular projection. So that's how it started. Um, now, as I grew older, as a child, I assumed everyone did this every night. Um, I assumed... That's what people meant when they were talking about dreaming. Um, so when I was around five or so, I started sharing that with my parents. And at first they just laughed, as oh yeah, you're having a dream. And then I started talking about how I would get on my body and go down the stairs and go down to the playground, looking for somebody to play with. And they started getting a little concerned. And one time I overheard them talking about sending me to a psychiatrist. Now, I didn't know what that was at five years old, the way they were talking, I knew it was bad. <laughs> so I stopped talking about it. At school, when I mentioned it, they, they said I was lying. And they called me a, a freak and a weirdo and all this kind of stuff. So I stopped talking about it. I, uh, as I grew older, I thought there was something wrong with me. And I, it was something I kept secret. I did it because I enjoyed it, but I wouldn't share it with people. Uh, When we got into the early 70s, I started going, luckily my parents were open-minded enough, we went to bookstores, I'd go right to the occult section, which is what it was called back then, and I'd look through books trying to find some reference to this weird thing I was doing. I eventually found this little paperback that was called, You Can Communicate with the Unseen Dead. And the only reason it wasn't about astral projection, but there was this one paragraph in it talking about this phenomena of astral projection and how you could leave your body and go there in the astral. And, uh, and that I bought the book and, and had it for years because that was the first time I actually had a word for it. Uh, then a couple of years later, I stumbled across journeys out of the body, Robert Monroe. And that just changed my world because then I was sure that, th- that I mean, this, this was a scientist. This was a businessman. This wasn't some nut, this wasn't some fringe, you know, loon case, um, you know, getting ready to go to the, the Laughing Academy in a straitjacket. This was someone, you know, who, who you could respect. And I was able to read about it and see that, oh, okay, this, this is not something that's just I'm doing, that has that that been around for thousands of years. He's had all these adventures. So there must be other people out there like me. Um, but of course, back then there was no way to connect um, you know, and, uh, there was no internet. So, you know, I still felt very isolated. Um, and it wasn't until uh, I went to college that I, uh, I went to an, an Kar, um, meeting and I'm not a big fan of the whole Ekin Kar movement, but what attracted me to it was the astral projection end of it. That's what they talked about a lot. And I met a girl there uh who i ended up dating who was another astral projector she was really the first person i had ever met who could astral project like 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 i could and we actually had a few uh joint astral projections uh because she was experienced and i was experienced so we were able to do that jointly um but that's still very rare you have to find somebody who's very advanced uh, otherwise it's difficult to control. so um, and, and then we got into the 80s I went to the, the Monroe Institute for a number of courses. I met I had the privilege of meeting the great Robert Monroe and he was uh, he was developing some of those tapes that, that you were that you had bought and were talking about and, and I had a chance to actually have a conversation with him and, and we talked about uh, his experiences and my experiences. And I'll, I'll never forget um, that time spent there. And if you ever have a chance to go to the Monroe Institute, it's in the Virginia Hills. It's beautiful. It's, they got places there you can stay. They got healthy food. And and you got these classes. Right now, it's all online because of COVID. But it's just it's a lovely place. Um, as we got into the late 80s, early 90s, I started teaching some classes. Um, they were mostly small. We'd have some at hotels and 20, 30, maybe 40 people sometimes would show up. Then my daughter got born in the early 90s and I kind of went into a business uh, way and, you know, had to build up my career. And uh, I still Astral Project it, of course, because I enjoyed it so much. But, you know, I didn't really share it too much anymore. Uh, it wasn't until two and a half years ago that I ran across a subreddit on Reddit uh, for Astral Projection. And just on a lark, I said, listen, I've been national projecting for, you know, 57 years. Does anybody have any questions? I mean, I figured 10, maybe 15 questions. Yeah. yeah, I'd answer them and that'd be the end of it. Well, I spent the next, geez, five or six months answering thousands of questions before they finally, eventually archi- archived this thing. And I said, well, there must be a demand for this. And I looked online, I looked on YouTube and there's, there's some good channels on there, some good people. But I was looking for something that would be, I'd be able to post a video every week and I'd be able to share my experiences to help others to learn to astral project as well as helping to school them on what, what they could do uh, on the astral and how they could do it and the pitfalls to avoid things that I all, I did, you know, I learned by trial and error. And I was hoping that, that they could you know, learn and a little bit more quickly without having to make all the mistakes uh, that I made. And I've, I've, you know, we've grown to a point now, we're still a small channel. We have around 7,200 subscribers, um, but they're really devoted and they're great people and we get you know, great participation and uh, I'm extremely happy with Astral Club on YouTube. That's, that's the name of it. So um, I mean, that's, that's just a the brief story of my history uh, in Astral Rejection. Yeah. So you've been doing
1: it effectively all your life. Well, yes.
0: effectively literally all your life literally you? You one yes. years old
1: yeah it's it's i suppose it's, it's become kind of just a, a second part of nature to you though many many people say right well just from um you sharing your experiences why should we believe you when there's been no as we say well you shouldn't
0: mm-hmm. you shouldn't believe me um the channel isn't about people worshiping me or even believing me What it's about is I'm gonna share with you what I've experienced and what I want you to do is to learn to astral project for yourself. I personally don't believe it is possible 100% to believe in astral projection until you've done it for yourself. Uh, And I don't want people just to take my word for it. That's not the purpose of this channel. The purpose is to get more people astral projecting. Uh, when you're standing or floating above your body, looking down, seeing a little bit of slobber on your pillow, um, that's when you should become a believer because that's when you can see it for yourself. Uh, and, and that's that's the that was the prime purpose for this channel. Um, as far as a lot of the other videos and sharing my experiences, there's an the entertainment aspect. There certainly, because after all, it is YouTube. I don't have any cats running around, so I got to do something, uh, share something with people to keep them interested. Can't all just be about dry uh, techniques. But you know, I think it's it's been an effective way. People have told me that it's it's had a big lot of changes in their lives, and and they've started um, astral projecting, or they got better at what they were doing, or they're doing these exercises. They're starting to have. You know some symptoms of beginning astral projection. So, you know there's there's a whole crew of people. Some who are very experienced, some who are just beginning to, to to do it, or or who are just interested. So, I mean that's that's my answer to that. Don't believe me. Believe yourself. My daughter, I told her stories about my astral projections all my life, but until she had her first astral projection a few years ago, there always had to be a little bit of doubt. I mean, like I said, she's. She's a scientist, too. She's you know, She sees patients every day. So, you know, she, um, but when she did it for herself, she's like, I always believed you, dad, but I didn't know if anyone else could do it, uh, even though you said that it was possible. Uh, but when she did it for herself, now, okay, now that's firsthand experience. Yeah. And so I'm, I believe I'm everyone sure, needs that.
1: And I'm sure anybody that is what we call hardcore skeptic, or as I call them, cynics who don't believe regardless, would have kind of their whole worldview shake it up with one experience especially one with veridical perception included where they can come out their body see something and then see it again after they come back accurately sure
0: well i mean it, you know sometimes hardcore um skeptics it's a negative if you're not willing to even consider another viewpoint because if you're hardcore that means you're 100 percent sure that you're right yeah. in that I mean, case yeah. you're, you, you have no point. At that point, yeah. not, you
1: can't call yourself a skeptic,
0: in my opinion. No, right. You've made up your mind. <laughs> mm, mm, exactly. So, yeah, you're no longer skeptical. You're just like, that's wrong. It doesn't exist. So I'm not even going to bother thinking about it. And, okay, fine. And that's fine because this this isn't a church. I'm not looking for for members, um, you know, to grow, grow, grow. I want people who are interested. I want as many who are interested. Um, but if people aren't interested in astral projection, and there's plenty of folks who aren't—I mean, I couldn't imagine it—but there's plenty of folks who are interested in other things, and that's fine. Uh, the, the channel isn't; it's not designed to take people and force them to believe. It's designed to help those who are interested. Period. Yeah.
1: So when you were in your period of, of of believing that you were there was something wrong with you, as you said, when you got a bit, a little bit older, what mm-hmm. what kind of pushed you away from that? that feeling to realize that this was actually a genuine happening for you?
0: Well, I mean, it was a wondrous experience for me. I always enjoyed it. Um, To me, it it allowed me to have, uh, I mean, as a kid, you have your bedtime at nine o'clock and I could sneak downstairs and, and see what's going on. I could go outside and still play around. It was almost like cheating, you know, getting away with something. So I, I enjoyed that uh, as a child. Um, you know, as uh, as you grow, it just became a part of me. I didn't really think of it any any differently than people think about their dreams. I just thought of it as just another thing that I did. I didn't talk about it a lot because I knew that folks, you know, didn't really believe in it. Um, and as I said, it wasn't until I started seeing books, you know, uh, especially drains out of the body, um, where I realized that this isn't just something that I did um, that was wondrous. It, other people were doing it as as well, and that's when I became much more comfortable with the experience. Because there was always a little fear in the back of my head that yes, this is a enjoyable experience, and I wouldn't trade this for anything. But there still was a little bit in the back of my mind that's maybe I am crazy, but I better hide it kind mm, of thing. Yeah, of course. Um, So, and, you know, and I think that can be uh, – kids are lucky nowadays because they got the Internet. So if they're a little strange, they can find other people who are strange too uh, on the Internet, and you can form a little community. Uh, back in those days, especially you – know, I grew up in a smaller town, so uh, there wasn't a lot of room for – information like that. But like I said, it was, you know, it's, it's something that I took for granted. And as a matter of fact, the popularity of astral projection and the channel took me by surprise. And I guess it's just because I considered all this information as no big deal. Um, But then I share it with others and there's a, wow, that's amazing. I guess it's just a matter of, it's been in my life, my entire existence so you, you just like okay you just take it for granted um but when you share it with others you learn that well i guess it is kind of special and i'm glad i can share it you know with others
1: so once you're out of, out of the body and you have the standard kind of beginning experiences of seeing yourself lying there and you go off and, and visit these other places how do we how do we differentiate or how do we know that that is an objective experience as opposed to just a mind created
0: dream or illusion well um In the thousands of experiences I've had, and of course I've had my share of regular dreams and my share of lucid dreams, I've noticed that there's different symptomology of them. In dreams, your typical dreams that most of us have every night, you find yourself in your junior high school, you're 12 years old, you forgot your locker combination, you're late for class, you forgot where your class is, and oh my goodness, you're naked. Um, and while you're in that dream, your consciousness thinks you're in junior high school again. Uh, and that's just your little reality until you wake up and like, Oh, thank God. I'm not in junior high school any longer in a lucid dream, which I just had one this morning, as a matter of fact. Uh, and you suddenly become conscious within a dream. And once you're conscious in a dream, I mean, that's another great experience. Uh, not quite on par with astral projection, but I think it's pretty cool. You can control the entire environment um, because you're the creator, (laughs) you're the director, you're the scene coordinator. Um, I recall once I was standing outside my parents' home and there was a small woods out there and there were some people standing by and I became uh, lucid. And I said, I was watching, before I had been watching Charlton Heston's movie, uh, The Ten Commandments. So I had that whole thing in my mind. And I said, I'm going to throw down this forest and bring in a boiling sea. And of course, all the people on the side, the neighbors, started laughing. I went like this. And the forest fell down and this boiling sea came rolling in. I put out my hand, stopped it, and then I froze it. That's a lucid dream. You're, you are entirely in control of the experience because you've created it your memory is generally truncated though still um i recall lucid dreaming i'll think i'll be i'll say okay i'm having a dream but i'm in college i know i'm lucid so now i'm having a little bit extra fun that i wouldn't otherwise have but i don't have my normal memory still when you're in astral projecting your memory, your knowledge is exactly the same as and your awareness, is exactly the same as your waking physical awareness. Um, you have, you know exactly where you are, what you're doing, what day it is, what the date is, what the approximate time is, you know, uh, everything about your life. And when you go throughout that astral environment, you can't just rearrange things by thinking about them. They have a solidity to them. Now, like the physical world, if you apply time and energy, you could change things here in the physical world. If you apply time and energy in the astral, you can also make some changes there too, but it requires time and it requires energy. Not like a lucid dream where you just wave your hand and whatever happens, uh, happens uh, and for me the difference between a lucid dream or a dream and an astral projection is the difference between a dream and being completely awake um, the reality of the experience and everything surrounding it is much more close to the waking state than it is a dream state um, and those are some of the things that I've observed as someone who's explored all three of those things hmm. so how would we argue
1: that this is literally uh, a disembodiment of consciousness as opposed to, say, just another form of a type of dream that, as of yet, has been not studied?
0: Well, look, we all could be brains in a box in some alien laboratory. Um, all of our perceptions come through our mind and our brains. So, I mean, it's legitimately impossible to prove that it's not something like that. I can't prove to you right now that we're not both actually brains in an alien laboratory somewhere being fed a matrix, Mm. okay, Mm. into our consciousness. I think it's unlikely, but I can't prove to you that that that's not what's occurring any more than I can prove to you um, that that experience is, is objectively not some sort of weird form of dreaming that we haven't encountered yet. All I can do is describe to you the different the different qualities of those experiences, and I can quote historical precedent of people who've been talking about this for thousands of years, but I mean, I think there's always that element of of doubt or mystery, um, and who knows? I kind of like it that way. I mean, I think it would be a little less magical if you know if it was published in every science journal. Indeed,
1: you mentioned about um, this being part of what was known as the occult, and many. Especially religious folks would call that very dangerous, demonic, and unnatural. Well, mm. What would you say to those who, who are swayed away from it because it's in line with Ouija boards and all that sort of thing, which is also
0: put under the occult? Sure. Well, um, you know, uh, back in the 60s and 70s, that was the word for it. Then the 70s and 80s, the new age, uh, that changed to that. Um, there are some uh, religious folks who, Uh, are a little leery of this type of experience, Um, even though there is some precedent in the Bible. Um, St. Paul describes an astral experience in one of the Bible passages. Now, he describes it in a third person, which is the literary device they used back in those days. He said, I know of a man who left his body to travel the cosmos and, uh, and and saw things, and then when he came back, he had this information. Now Paul said he didn't see any useful need or or how this could serve his physical life or what have you. But he reported it. It's there. I don't have the I don't have the verse in my head right offhand, but I have talked about it in a video somewhere along the line to address these types of religious objections. At the end of the day. Um, I think it's it's not something that's unnatural. I believe it's an it's an ability that we all have. It has fallen into disuse, but it's nothing. It's nothing. I mean, if we already all have it, if we already can do it, then how could it be unnatural? Uh, you know, it, we're not we're not trying to develop something new. It's there. We're just trying to figure out how to use it. Um, and um, as, but as far as folks who are who are very very religious. Uh, I don't have a problem with them. Um, I'm probably not going to help them master project, but they can believe uh, whatever they believe. Once again, I'm not really, they're not my audience. I'm looking for people who are generally interested and have some sort of an open mind because these people don't have an open mind and, uh, and, and they're not skeptics. <laughs> they're sure it's evil. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, there's nothing that I could do for them even if I wanted to. Mm, it just be um, talking
1: to a brick wall effectively in the nicest
0: possible way. Exactly, exactly. So all I can do is just wish them well and let them do what they want to do and you do what you want to do. So I mean, I've got no way to prove to them cuz quite frankly I'm not interested in proving anything to people who aren't who don't have open minds cuz it, it's like knocking your head against the wall. It's ultimately a futile task. Uh, so, sure. That's yeah. my philosophy there. Yeah.
1: So let, let's have a look at the actual, the nature and the um, the environment of of the astral, because you say there are oh. different levels, um, yes. and that's that's often reported by many out of body experiences, um, where it starts. You say very, very vague, vaguely connected to the physical, and then it becomes more and more lucid the higher up. To
0: use the term, well, higher up you go.
1: So what, there what is are the many structures. Points-
0: that- there are many planes on the astral. Um, if you, we were just talking about religious and, and the Bible and what have you, um, Jesus said that in my father's house, there are many rooms. Um, and you could apply that to the astral because there are many planes of existence within the astral. Um, and it has to do with your vibration level. Uh, when you first leave your body, you are vibrating and we are, we all vibrate even in the physical at a certain frequency. Um, but in the astral, when you're near the lowest plane, you're vibrating very close to the physical. When you launch yourself into the air, which is what I typically do as soon as I get outside, you start raising your vibrational level. So you start entering different subplanes of the astral and each one has different things to see. Uh, and they can be very different from one another. Uh, the lowest level of the astral has many creatures on it that are stuck um, and who are very, want to get back into the physical and we're, we're addicted to, to alcohol or drugs. Uh, many times they'll hang around bars, for instance, trying to get the feeling of what it was like to be drunk by sorting or trying to leech off of the people who are drinking in there. And uh, sometimes I wonder if people say, I don't know why I got in that fight, but suddenly I just was really angry and I just started hitting some people. I I think maybe sometimes people under the influence of that are affected by those other energies there. But as you get higher and higher and you raise that, and that happens by willpower, by by willing yourself uh, higher, you see very different vistas, and and they can. Uh, I mean, you know, you can see a beautiful cloud city in one plane, and and uh, you could see a school in another, and a uh, beautiful forest in yet another. Uh, so there's um, there's infinite levels, as far as I know. I don't know of any number associated with it.
1: If, if I can just jump in to try and clarify something, because these these terms always confuse me because i don't really understand what they are that's vibration energy and um, mm. frequency you know what what does that what, what is the vibration of somebody is it is it a physical vibration of matter is it a, a, a esoteric well, term
0: when you're leaving your body you actually feel right before you leave your body the vibrational phase you'll you feel um as if your body is vibrating sometimes Um, if it comes on particularly strong, it feels like there's an earthquake going on. That's how it feels like in the physical. Now, when you get out in the astral, um, that what, what you're doing is, is now your, your, your energy, some form of energy that we can't really reliably detect. I think there's electromagnetic properties to it based on some of my experiences, but, um, that energy has a frequency it has a vibrational level um, and, and it, it matches whatever plane or subplane you're currently in mm. when you say now, vibrational level is that like literally vibrating literally it's like an it's like a you know it's, it's like a higher
1: energy level higher energy frequency that buzz you get with electric electricals
0: sure vibration sure level. exactly cuz now I mean, you're no longer in a meat body now you're in, you're in this energy body and so um, you, have to, um, you have to will yourself. One of the ways to do that is to think about very positive and loving thoughts, I find. Um, if you're depressed, I tell you, no, don't astral project because you, it, it, you can't get out of the lower astral. And the lower astral in some of its worst parts is kind of like the worst part in a big city. There's just a lot of folks there. They can't really hurt you. Um, but it can be a very unpleasant place to be in. I mean, imagine all the rejects of society all congregated in an area with anger and fear and desperation and hopelessness and, and drug addiction. And it's just so by thinking those loving thoughts, positive thoughts, and then willing yourself up higher, um, it helps to transition you into the next plane the next level for which you are a match for. Um, that's probably the best way I can explain.
1: So, so that, that vibrational state that we get just before, which I've experienced, I usually experience it as kind of like a swinging as if you've been pushed oh, in okay, a half. okay, sure. Do, when you come out of your body, do you, are you constantly feeling that then
0: since you're just that energy or? If I, uh, no, generally what I'll have is for a minute or two, I'll have a residual kind of vibration around the forehead Maybe a little around the neck, and then it fades away. That, I would, I wouldn't want to have that all the time. Neck.
1: What's that? Is that the physical around the physical?
0: Body? Yeah, yeah. When yeah. you're back in your physical body, And I, I don't imagine that maybe a, a scientist would be able to detect it. I don't know, but it certainly feels like, um, you know, like there's a, I don't know, a, a, buzz. a buzzy in here yeah. or whatever, uh, and around here. So, uh, and it, but it generally dissipates within a few minutes. I think it's, it's just some residual energy or the residual whole thing of going back into the physical body.
1: And what's the sensation when you're actually out of the body in terms of the vibration?
0: Well, um, it's the best way to describe it is by it's, it's emotional feeling when you're in the lower astral, you feel sluggish, heavy, slow. Um, you can feel depressed even, um, but as you go up in higher levels, it's, um, you become more uh, energized, you your, your mood is lifted um, dramatically. I haven't really done a lot of illegal drugs, because I was always worried that they would somehow interfere with my astral projection ability. Uh, so I stayed away from that stuff, because I was fearful that, that it would do something Change something, but I imagine it would be like feeling high because you're just, you know, in these higher states. It's just full of bliss. You're just, it just feels great, wonderful, uh, and and it's just this beautiful light. And I, I suffer from um, um, sleep problems quite a bit. Uh, there are times when I can't sleep for long periods of time, yet. There was one period of time when I I couldn't sleep for five nights, but I was still going to work, still driving an hour to get to work. And that was because I was able to harvest some extra energy um, on the astral plane. And then that came back with me so that I was able to stay lucid and conscious and actually performing pretty well, even after without four or five nights of sleep. I don't recommend that because the physical body needs sleep. So don't. I don't want anybody watching this to say, oh, that's great. I don't have to sleep anymore. No, this was a bad situation I was in. I was just trying to make it better. I was trying to make the best of a bad situation. Um, but, um, you know, that's, uh, that's, it, that's how it can feel when you get up in those, in those higher levels. You don't have the same. I mean, in the physical, you feel these temperature fluctuations, for instance you don't feel temperature fluctuations in the astral. Thankfully, because I remember one time I wanted to test the indestructibility of my astral body. And so I flew through the sun and I figured, well, it's either going to work or it's not, uh, but it's going to be a definite acid test. I sold it to myself. It's like firewalking, I said. Um, so I flew through the sun. I still have all these images in my head from that experience. And I came out the other end and I was fine. Um, so it's, it's very, I mean, it's not immortal, but it's pretty invulnerable uh, in its typical form. Uh, And um, you know, it's uh, you don't get, people sometimes report hearing, but there's really no sound on the astral. If you hear something it's because you're remembering it or you're suggesting it to yourself based on your physical memories. There's really no need for hearing on the astral. That's strictly a f- something to that's good in the physical. You can sense emotions. You can sense threats or, or great people around you. You can sense the area itself in a much deeper way than any physical ears could. Uh, your vision, if you think about it, is actually 360 degrees. Now, a lot of new people report Oh no! I just have this vision. That's because they're ignoring this bit because they're not used to it. You know, we're used to having our forward-facing vision, but the vision is 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 absolutely correct. I mean, it's great. You can see anything you want in a line of sight. Um, it's as it's as good as you want it to be.
1: A few people seem to report that um, when out of body, you can experience, as you say, you know, all the physical senses and all the Physical enjoyment, such as um, you know, sex and and drinking and eating, you can do that if you wish to. Does that seem?
0: What possible? you're doing is you're pulling in your memory. I mean, right now, if I tell you, cut a lemon in your mind, and you do it, you'll get that smell. You'll remember that smell, even though there's no lemon in the room with you right now. You certainly haven't cut one, but you can smell it right now. Um, because it's, it's a strong memory. It's the same thing uh, on the astral. Uh, I mean, think about it. All these senses that we're talking about, for instance, taste and smell, they're, they're great on the physical. And nowadays, oh, we enjoy French food. But back in the old days, it, it's how we kept alive when we were evolving. You know, we used these senses like smell and taste to determine, oh, this plant is bitter. This is probably going to kill us. So we don't want that. On the astral that's useless, there's no purpose to it. Now you have these memories and you can certainly manifest that by your, your memory because it's, it can be very strong uh, in the astral. But realistically speaking, there is no need for it and it doesn't exist in its true state. Uh, it, it, it's a memory from your, your physical life. And so that's, now as far as sex, um, yes, in the lower astral There's that kind of stuff going on all the time. And it feels a lot like it does here in the physical. Now, when you go up and you ascend to higher levels, and I experienced this with that girlfriend I was telling you about from college, you're merging souls. And you feel for the first time in your life, absolute bliss of completion. And you have all of her thoughts and memories and hopes, and she has all of yours. And it's like a joining, a true joining. And that is a transcendent experience. A lot of the folks who are newer, when they report this, they report, oh, well, that, it was like the physical. Yeah, because you were in the lowest level of the astral, and that kind of stuff happens a lot. Um, but the true experience happens higher up. Um, and even then the enjoyment you're getting in the lower astral, that's a memory once again, because listen, listen, the sex act is a reproductive act. It doesn't have a meaning in the astral you don't reproduce in the astral that way. Um, so it's once again, what you're doing, you're accessing memories of your physical experiences and you're making them real in their densest, lowest possible way. Um, but if you ever have a chance to experience that that higher level experience or that true joining that's that's something that I can't even explain any better than I've explained it to you because there's no words for it mm, indeed
1: um, so is this kind of environment what we can expect to find
0: after the death of our physical body Well, um yes. It, it, although it does vary with people, and I don't always have all the answers as to why things vary. Now, if you study NDEs, you'll see there's, not everybody has the exact same experience, but there's very common elements. For instance, some people at NDA NDEs report flying down a long, dark tunnel. Uh, when I astral projected, when I was a kid, I had a number of experiences where I would fly down a long, dark tunnel first before astral projecting. So that was interesting. Um, but there are, there are, obviously, there, there are commonalities uh, associated with some of those experiences. Yeah, it, um, seems, it
1: seems the differences between them seem to be culturally based, just interpretations. Um, and, and that could be quite possible, yes, yes. Um, so uh, I'm assuming that you don't subscribe to the most popular opinion of death, that when you die, I see it lights out forever.
0: Um, I have no... Proof of that. Um, I mean, everything that I've experienced points to other experiences. I mean, generally, what happens is you're generally met by a guide. And I've had some experiences where I've I've said I want to go to the places where people who pass over. And one time I ended up in what looked like an airport. Another time on a train. And what that was was some sort of a conventionalization to make people who've just passed over comfortable. Also to give them the idea that they're moving from one place yeah,
1: to another as a, as a metaphor for them to understand. Right,
0: exactly. And that, that this earth is a classroom and that we we experience these lifetimes to learn a variety of lessons. Um uh, why would there be an astral body if if it wasn't needed? Um you know, why would there be all of this information out there about it? If it was just if you just became extinct like like animals do, um, but you know well, once again uh, I mean I'm not really afraid of physical death. I mean I don't want to be in pain, <laughs> uh, but I don't really fear it per se um, because based on all my experiences, it, it's it's just a transit just a transition from one state to another. I mean I suppose a bunch of caterp- caterpillars seeing their friend in some sort of a chrysalis might have a little funeral for him. Um, but he actually turns into a butterfly and flies away. And as far as they're concerned, there's just this dead husk. So, oh, let's, let's bury it. He's gone. But meanwhile, he's transformed into this beautiful butterfly. He's gone off on a whole nother av- adventure while they're sitting there mourning his passing. I mean, I think that's a, a good, you know, way of trying to explain my beliefs and that's
1: so so keeping on i suppose the subject of animals do you think that the anim- the animals of the world uh, not just wild animals but pets as well things like that do you think they also have an astral incarnation
0: they do because i've seen them but wild animals tend to have more of a group soul when they pass they go back to this group soul and then they're i don't know what happens after that because i just don't know um pets are a little different they their souls become i've seen them become more individuated um, because i think their alliance dogs and cats their alliance with humans can be described as a co-evolution and that's not just a physical one as we've seen wolves change into dogs and and cats become domesticated as much as a cat can become domesticated um but they also are evolving on some sort of a, a spiritual level and, and that some of these pets have these alliances with particular humans and humans and, and, and they grow and then these souls become individuated. So they're not a group soul anymore. Uh, I have, I mean, when I visited my parents' house a while back, my pet dog died 30 years ago, but her spirit was still there near my mother. Uh, I saw her there, and then you know, I went over and I, I petted her, interacted with her, and she was very surprised to be noticed. Uh, she hadn't been noticed in a long time. So she was still there, and that was surprising to me. I, I, it hadn't occurred to me that she might still be hanging around. Although when I talked to my mother, she says, yeah, I feel her around at times. Yeah. Was it, were you able to communicate at all with, with, the, with the pet? No. Um, it's not I mean, you can beam basic love at it, and, but there's no true telepathic communication, despite what people who live in California might say between humans and pets. I mean, they're, they're on a different level of, of, of that type of attainment. Um, I mean, look, you can show love to them. They can show love to you but you're not going to have a conversation. No, That's no. all that was it. Not no. in my experience. If you want to describe, you know, the mysteries of the universe, you're not going to talk with a cat about that. And even if they knew they probably wouldn't tell you. Um, <laughs> so, but you know what is interesting though, is cats and dogs can see you when you're in the lower astral, the lowest level of the astral. Uh, I have been observed by um, some cats and dogs in the past. Um, some dogs will cower. Some will bark at you. Uh, cats will glance at you and then just go about their business yeah, yeah. Um, because typical
1: cat fashion. Yeah. Yes,
0: exactly. Um, so they've got some abilities in that in that area that we typical humans don't. Although I've also heard stories that young children can also sometimes you know they have these little friends, their invisible friends that they've got that ability at times that they end up losing somewhere along the line i haven't really been seen by a lot of the little children because i haven't really gone looking for little children i've stumbled across some of these animals before and that's why i can report um you know what they can observe and 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 and, and they and of course their souls and what have you hmm.
1: so of all the environments that you've been in out of body what do you think has been the most interesting to describe because i saw on your i did have a brief look through your videos and the first one that caught my eye was the, the planet or a, a environment of spiders and my mind went straight to Doctor Who John Pertwee that episode of the spiders I don't know if you know it but
0: I'm a fan of Doctor Who but I really started watching with Tom Baker oh, uh he, he, was, was, he, was, he was he was really, really the big good. one that we started with yeah. here in America so I really haven't seen those older ones um uh, that was uh, certainly uh, an interesting experience and um it was there was there was a couple of videos that were related to that. One was a past lifetime that I had on this what I thought was a strange planet ended up being a moon that cir- circles this 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 gas giant in this other solar system. And in that lifetime, which must have been millions of years ago, um, I was part of this tribe of these winged little. Insect-type creatures that had the level of intelligence as probably humans did before we mastered, or our ancestors did before we mastered fire. So really, pretty primitive, like primitive very human. Late. Yeah. Uh, and we had this experience, and and one of the proofs how you could prove that you were ready to mate. There was this ritual. You had to fly uh, into this craggy valley with all of these webs and stuff that were with these creatures that were spider-like. Um, and you got to crash through it. And what it did is it proved your strength, it proved your flying ability, it proved your courage, it proved you were ready to mate. And so that was um, a whole little experience there um, with that. Um, later on in this recent experience, I went back to there to explore a little bit more because I experienced that one from inside that old memory, of the inside that old primitive body. This one I went back as a, as an astral spirit to observe what was going on and um and this time i was able to kind of get a little payback because i was able to absorb energy from this this planet it had um some sort of electromagnetic energy in its atmosphere that allowed me to absorb it and become semi-physical so that i could actually affect things um and there was all these winds going on it was very windy and and so I was able to crash through and kill a bunch of those things. But that's a very unusual experience for me. Um, I mean, most of my experiences I never talk about because they're pretty boring. It's just, I get out of my body and I fly around my city at night. That's it, that's just a typical experience. That's one of the little bit more interesting ones. As far as the one that was, to this day, affects me the most, really, is I wanted to see what our galaxy looked like on the outside looking in. And when I did, I found myself out in this void between galaxies. And I must have been hundreds of light years away. And then I could see our beautiful spiral galaxy. And I was out there in this majestic void all by myself. There was no other human spirits for many, 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 many light years. I was was alone, more alone than any human had ever been. And all I could think of, though, it was just this beautiful beautiful sight of this spiral galaxy And to me it was it was like you know i mean i was raised as a christian as a kid it was almost like being in this huge chapel this holy place you know just having the privilege of 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 seeing this sight that no one as far as i know had ever seen quite this way that's physically me, yeah yeah, I mean, that to me has affected me the most to this day, and I'll never forget it. I have a, I have a little thing going down my spine now, just just relating that to you. Um,
1: Great. So Certainly very influential then over your experiences. See, I would struggle to... Have, find any kind of value in an out-of-body experience or a natural projection experience unless I suppose it's just the way my mind is unless I was able to get some sort of veridical perception as you say if I was to float around well I'm in a village so there's probably not much to see in terms of a city but if I was to um I don't know, see a car with a certain registration plate mm-hmm. on it and then come back and instantly walk out and see that same car that I've never seen before that would be very influential to me because that would to me prove personally that it place that it was it was real Uh, have you ever had any kind of experiences like that
0: you know from time to time i will try that and i have had um some hit and miss type of situations with that i have had some times when i was able to to back that up by going on google and and looking up um where i was and even though i'd never been there before in the physical and i was able to survey uh, a particular area of some place i'd never been before and it looked exactly like I remembered it to look. Um, but once again, it's you're going to have difficulty in the astral trying to prove the physical, um, because once again, they are different worlds. Um, I, you know, the lower astral can look like the physical, just like that weird shadow in a summer's day will look like the thing that cast it. Um, but you'd be better off with the remote viewing, trying to master that, if that's what you wanted to accomplish. Um, even if this was all in our heads, it's still one of the most amazing experiences that I have ever been acquainted with. Now, I've read about people who've been on Mescaline, uh, who have been on LSD, uh, and, and, and they describe some of these experiences and they seem pretty far out. Um, And they're not coming back with any good physical information yet. There's many, many thousands of people who take LSD and mescaline and a wide variety of other substances to have these experiences. Um, Though there's no physical benefit to them. Um, I have these experiences without having to risk taking any of these substances. So at, at minimal I'm having these wondrous experiences without having to run around trying to find these, you know, illegal substances. So if that's all that people can accept at as most basic level, I'm fine with that. I mean, I don't believe that for myself, but I have no problem with others believing that Um, because, Hey, I mean, if that's the worst that it is, that's still pretty cool.
1: Indeed. Absolutely. So I suppose to finish off with what, what is your technique? of getting out of the body because you know i've tried many different techniques involving imagery mm-hmm. um you know trying to imagine f- sensing lifting and nothing's ever worked for me so i'm just curious as to what your technique is
0: sure oh I'll, I'll share some some techniques i used to use i mean at this stage of the game i don't really use techniques anymore i just decide i want to astral project tonight and about 33 percent of the time I will astral project. I'll just find myself outside my body or usually many times at my parents' house. It's kind of like a homing beacon. That's where I started doing it. So many times that's where I'll start. So you Um, succeed one out of every three attempts, which is pretty, pretty good. When I was a kid and I'd started learning about astral projection, like reading journeys out of the body, I started trying to come up with ways where I could increase my astral projections. And so what I found out is, is what starts an astral projection is essentially you need to educate your subconscious mind because your conscious mind understands what you want to accomplish, but you need to get the subconscious on board. And that's difficult because the subconscious doesn't necessarily respond exactly the same way or learn the same way that your conscious mind does. You know, if you've ever like try to, you're sort of falling asleep and then you jolt awake and you say, oh, purple gorillas. You're like, where did that (laughs) come from? Well, that's your subconscious mind starting to communicate in its own little weird way. So so what I would do in, in my way of trying to communicate with that is first of all, I would read everything I could get my hands on so that astral projection was constantly circulating in my mind and hopefully something was sinking in. Um, As I would fall asleep at night, I would say these words over and over again until I fell asleep. And while I said them, I also pictured myself going through these actions. The picturing is important because that picturing can sink into the subconscious a lot better than these words can. Really, the words just help you, your conscious mind, keep track of what you're doing. It's the pictures that really are educating the subconscious mind. I would say tonight as I fall asleep my mind will come awake. I will decide to astral project. I will leave my body, go where I wish to go, do whatever I wish to do. And when I return, I will have a full memory of everything that occurred. And I would say that and picture that over and over and over again. And what I found is that I would start floating out of my body more, or or what I would especially do is I'd roll out of my body onto the floor. Um, Because I would do that sometimes as a kid in the physical it was painful, but I was familiar with that process So doing that in the astral seemed natural to me Um, But what I found was is is that it started to increase my astral projections because I was educating my subconscious The message was getting through um, Because it's it's that's how you have to communicate to the subconscious mind because it has to kick-start the process Once you get out, your conscious mind is fully in control. But to kickstart it, and that's the problem is that unless you communicate with your subconscious mind, and it also, you have to get it on board too, because if you have fears associated with this experience, they will sabotage this this whole effort. Uh, Fear is a powerful emotion. One of the things I try to accomplish on my channel is to put people's fears to rest. I can't tell you how many people have wasted a national projection experience because of fear, because they didn't understand what was happening to them. Some people, they find themselves out of their body. Oh my God, am I dead? Am I dying? And then bam, as soon as they feel that fear, you get pulled right back in again. you know. Or they start imagining they're seeing a creature in the corner, or a shadow creature. Because if you tr- if you think about that, you'll probably imagine you see it, and then that fear happens, and bam, you go back into your body again. Um, fear, it, it, people are like, oh, what if this ha- What if that happens? Look, if you experience fear at all on the astral plane, your body will pull you back through the astral cord almost instantaneously. There's like a it, it, there, it's like it's an auto, autonomic reflex. Um, yeah, if if you feel fear, yeah. you get pulled back. Kind of like a um, built-in defense mechanism. Yes, it's a defense mechanism. Um, so, so you have to make peace with your fear. And the best way I find to do that is by reading and by non-fear-based sources um, and, and becoming educated so that you know what to expect. So when it happens and you're there outside your body, you're like, okay, I know what's happening. And then, and then if they remember what I said to them, they know they have to get away as quickly as possible. Because if you stand there next to your physical body for any length of time, you're going to get pulled back in again. There's a strong gravitational pull um, that you have to get as far away from your physical body as quickly as possible to lengthen the experience. Not to mention, if you're staring at your physical body, you're thinking about your physical body. And so the the basic understanding is, oh, I guess you want to be back. And then, bam, you're back in again. Right. Um, and so, part of one of the things I'd hope to accomplish, and I think I am with some people, is is they're actually having experiences now that that are that are longer because it never occurred to a bunch of people, and I, it's hard for me to understand, but they just never. Ha- oh, I can leave my house. I, they, it just never occurred to them that they could, and I understand that. I mean, there's just not a lot of information typically about this topic, so just by telling them, you know, as the what to expect and, how to, you know, and then how, to, how to maximize the experience, they're having better astral projections. But that little technique there, and like I said, reading about astral projection, non-fear based sources, and, and making peace with it to make sure that you don't have this hidden fear somewhere. That's the best way to to start, uh, to start the process. And it takes different periods of time. I gave sessions where a couple of people would astral project right away. Others, it would take weeks or months. Some, it took years. We all, we all progress at different levels. and I don't have any absolute you know, explanation for that. I suspect, first of all, I believe everyone can astral project. I believe that wholeheartedly. But I believe that there's also, somewhere along the line, we might find there's a genetic component of some sort because it also tends to run in families. Like, I can do it. My brother has done it. My daughter has done it. My wife, she's not genetically related to me, but, you know, she's been influenced. But, uh, I, I, and I suspect my mother or father, even though they don't like to talk about it, might have experiences too, especially my father. But, so there may be a genetic component too. I don't know. I mean, there's old superstitions about witchcraft going in families, right? You know, the, the seventh daughter of the seventh daughter kind of thing. So, uh you know, I don't know. That's just a theory I have. I don't have any anything to back that up, other than it just seems weird that everybody in my family can somehow do it. Um, yeah,
1: there certainly might, may be a link there. It's the same with mediumship and, and things like that as well. It seems to run in the family. I, I, yeah, I suspect there is yeah. that
0: possibility.
1: I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Seeking Eye Life Exploration Podcast. If you did and would like to continue following my research, Please consider subscribing to my YouTube channel and following the podcast on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify and other podcast providers. You can also join our Facebook discussion group. You can find the link to this and other Seeking Eye online profiles at seeking-eye.com. Thank you.